Now on to chapter one, part six. So now we've got, we're ready. We're prepared. Summary. This is straight out of the book. Ostrich, this, Ostrich quickly regained consciousness and looked down in total darkness. He noticed that he was tied up. He did not see Geralt standing right beside him, but he realized where he was and let out a prolonged, terrifying howl. Keep quiet, said the witcher. Otherwise, you'll lure her out before her time. You damned murderer! Who are you? Untie me immediately, you louse! You'll hang for this, you son of a bitch! Quiet! Ostrit panted heavily. You're leaving me here to be devoured by her? Tied up? He asked, quieter now, whispering in vile invective. In a vile invective? No, the said the witcher. I'll let you go, but not now. You scoundrel! hissed Ostrit, to distract a Striga? Yes. So at this point, Ostrit stops wriggling and is quiet for a bit before restarting a conversation with Geralt. He tells the Witcher that, yes, it's true he wanted to overthrow King Foltest and that he was not the only one who wanted the king dead. Geralt remains silent, and this makes Ostrit continue with his explanation, now resigned to the very real possibility that he may die tonight, so he spills the beans. Ostrich tells the Witcher that the reason he wanted King Foltis out was because he had loved the king's sister, Ada. He checks in with the Witcher to see if he is still listening, because from where he is tied up, he can't see him. Ostrich claims that he wasn't the one who cast the spell that cursed Ada's child, that he doesn't even know anything about magic, and only once in anger did he ever cast a spell, but it wasn't like he knew what he was doing anyway. He checks in with the Witcher again before going on to say that the person who was responsible for the spell was King Foltest's mother, the Old Queen. At least he thought it must be her. Like he said, he only tried a spell once, and then he asked Geralt again maybe if it was him by chance. Geralt tells him that it doesn't matter now. Ostrich demands he be let go. The Witcher denies him again, but then Geralt hears something that Ostrich could not. Ugh. I love that. I love that. That was such a cool part. He's like, Geralt knew something was coming, but this guy, this poor schmuck. The scrape of the tomb lid began to, uh, to slide to the side. The Witcher cuts the Magnate's bonds without being told, and without being told, Ostrich jumps up and begins to book it out of the crypt. As Ostrich made his escape, the Witcher caught a glance of the misshapen Striga's form, making a beeline towards Ostrich's fleeing position in complete silence. Then the Witcher heard the blood-curdling scream of the man who was so desperate to escape, and it reverberated back to him. Geralt thought his sharpened hearing was deceiving him because the sound came from too close by, which meant that the Striga caught up with the man terribly fast. The Witcher moved himself into the center of the entrance of the hall that led into the crypt, threw down his coat, stretched out his shoulders, and equipped his gauntlet and sword. He knew he still had time, while the Striga fed, so he waited an, around three hours before dawn, and then, and that's when he heard the Striga's slow, trudging steps approaching. And then, he saw her. So here's the, um, uh, the details of what she looks like from the book. The description had been accurate. The disproportionately large head on a short, <laughs> on a short no. neck... The disproportionately large head on the short neck was surrounded by a tangled, curly halo of reddish hair. Her eyes shone in the darkness like an animal's. What? Nothing. Keep going. 
The Striga stood motionless, her gaze fixed on Geralt. Suddenly, she opened her jaws, as if proud of her rows of pointed white teeth, then snapped them shut with a crack like a chest being closed, and leapt slashing at the Witcher with her bloody claws. So it just starts. Did it say how long her claws was? Did you just go over that? Uh, dragging to the floor. No, it didn't say anything yeah. about how long they it's... were. But Okay. They it did say it, it did say dragging to the floor, though, right? Previously. in the in... Yeah, yeah. That's so creepy. That's just, ugh. Ugh. The two begin... I think they what? Well, I think they do say how long her claws are when they start fighting. The two begin they fighting, moving at a controlled yet frenzied pace. Every miss only inches away, every hit making a huge impact. For Geralt, his silver-studded gauntlets were working overtime against the swift and powerful Striga. After landing the first decisive blow against the beast, we get some insight into Geralt's temperament while in Witcher mode, and what effect the silver has on such a creature. So this is from the book. The Witcher smiled maliciously. His first attempt, as he had hoped, had gone well. Silver was fatal to the Striga as it was for most monsters brought into existence through magic. So there was a chance. The beast was like others. And that uh, bo that boded well for lifting the spell. While the silver sword would, as a last resort, assure his life. So they're saying, the reason why silver works so good against these types of monsters is because they were made of magic. They were born yep. from magic. Yep, yep. So it's hitting the magic of them, the essence. You're right. It's hitting the essence of them, not so much the physical. So that's why silver just goes right through them. Wow. That'd be cool. It'd be like a, it's like a lightsaber then. It's pretty cool. Light, light gauntlet. After getting rocked, the Strigger was more careful about her attack, circling the Witcher and baring her massive teeth. Geralt matched the circling movement, but cunningly sped up and slowed down in his movements to confuse the Strigger, all the while preparing his silver chain whip for a throw. As soon as the Striga decided to strike, the Witcher let loose the weighted end of the strong silver chain, which coiled around the charging beast, tripping her with a heavy drop to the floor. He could have killed her at this point, but didn't. Nothing about her behavior led him to believe she was beyond an attempt at curing her. She struggled violently against the chains, and before he could even start to relax, the chain snapped, sending bits of silver whizzing about the chamber. The Striga charged the Witcher ferociously. Geralt calmly waited, raised his right hand, and drew the sign of Arid, blasting the Striga to, com to a complete so stop. Or a sign of Ard. I don't know. It's A-A-R-D. Ard. Ard. Okay. The sign of Ard, blasting the Striga to a complete stop. But then, slowly, defiantly, the Striga began to advance one step at a time. Geralt feels the fury within him start to bubble up as he gets concerned about the approaching about the approach of and as he gets concerned about the approach and suddenly lets go of the hold he had on the symbol sending the striga tumbling uncontrollably forward they keep fighting all around the chamber jumping off balconies and eventually facing off again Geralt pulls out the silver sword now seriously preparing to defend his own life the witcher pulls some feigning attack that tricks the striga into bad positioning and Geralt's blade starts shimmering in his hand. His eyes start to glow and he lets out a roar of hatred so intense that the striga can feel it uh that the striga can feel it causing her to back away and flee. Geralt <laughs> Geralt spent a long while calming back down. He hadn't experienced that level of intense redirected evil before. All the better, he thought, as he made his way back into the crypt, knowing the Striga would need more time to recover from the shock of that horrific vision. 
His elixirs were wearing off, but he felt confident that he could still pull this job off. I totally forgot about that part. About the redirected hatred uh, or whatever? 100% did not remember that. Crazy. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it in our points of discussion. So we'll, okay. we'll, get, we'll go more in depth on that. Kyle Ken is what that was. He made his way down the stairs leading to a room with three sarcophagi, one having its stone slab lid pushed halfway aside. Geralt pulled his third vial out and drank the contents, then climbed into the tomb and stretched out, recognizing that it was a double tomb for mother and daughter. And here's the last paragraph of this part. He had only just pulled the cover closed when he heard the strigas roar again. He lay on his back next to Ada's mummified corpse and traced the sign of Yurdin on the inside of the slab. He laid his sword on his chest, stood a tiny hourglass filled with phosphorescent sand next to it, and crossed his arms. He no longer heard the Striga's screams as she searched the, the palace. He had gradually stopped hearing anything as the true love and Kalendine began to work. So, when he drinks that last potion at the end, so he, he goes into the sarcophagi, which was obviously the sarcophagi that, or sarcophagus that the Striga was in. And it's kind of it's kind of cool, kind of sad. It's like the mother and daughter's sarcophagus, and then he talks about um, drinking the contents of his last potion, and then he's saying he gradually stopped hearing anything as the true love and Caladine began to work. True love and Caladine is another type of flower. So the first two potions contained the poisonous, hallucinogenic, uh, super witcher stuff. And yep, the last yep. one is a different concoction that allows him to, like, calm down or something. It's like a... It's Come like out a, of his trip. Yeah, it's like, um, you know... So what would happen if he didn't get that last potion? Probably tear apart a his psyche or something, you know? Ooh, or would he stay like that forever? he just get more beast mode. Who knows? It might just kill him straight up. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe he does still needs an antidote. He just gets a window where he's like Super Witcher, and yeah. then he still needs an antidote. Huh. Maybe he can take yeah. one without having to take the chaser, but if he takes two to get really amped up, he needs a chaser, you know? So, points of discussion. Witchers are brutally strategic. We see Geralt yet again uh, use the death of a man as bait to get what he wants. He did this first when he arrived in town, killing the men as a fast pass to the king's audience. And now he lets Ostrit free just as the Striga awakes, allowing her to feed herself into a semi-lethargy uh, semi to allow or to make any potential fight a little more doable. So I thought that was kind of interesting. He is Yeah, he he's totally strategic. does not give a shit about humans, does he? I just realized that too. Well, Damn, dude. I started to like this guy. You nah. know, I don't know because, yes, he doesn't give a shit. But at the same time, look at the people he killed. It was that's the dude teasing him for his voice. It was the dude teasing him for his voice. Is that a reason to kill somebody? No, but if you were going to kill someone between someone who's like just trying to make barrels for a living like a miller and like somebody pickling. With, uh, pickled cucumbers. Pickling cucumbers. Or a guy who's teasing you because your accent sounds like you're from the frickin' Rivia, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. And then with this, Ostrit revealing that he wants King Foltest to be dethroned and everything, and he's going to do everything in his power, including paying off a Witcher to allow the, the Striga to continue attacking, 
you know, that's like, true. Dude's a bad person. Yeah. So like, we don't feel as bad, but we also get the point that um, he ain't fucking around. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's gonna get the job done. Uh, Geralt's fighting style. He's a solid combatant in any head-to-head matchup, but when facing the Striga, he shows us the type of training that he has gone that has gone into his skills. For example, as the the Striga pat, uh, paces around the Witcher, he also circles, but changes the speed of his steps fast and slow to confuse his foe. Later in the same fight, he pulls out his sword and starts circling the blade in front of himself, matching his steps, then out of sync, then back again. Visually, it must be confusing to his enemy, but physically seemed difficult to pull off. I really liked um, that it showed some sort of strategy in the fight. I'm so used to reading these fantasy stories where it's just like, and then they fought, and there was a sword slash, and he ducked, and this came by. This was like more than just clanging swords or bashing into an orc you know this was like here's his strategy like he's trying to trip her up with visual cues you know constantly changing his stances constantly changing his pacing to try to just keep her on her back foot and i really like that do you agree (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's it gives a good visual because it's almost like he he'd spin fast and then like twirl a sword slow. And yeah, then, it was like, more fun to to read or listen to than it was just a, an average fight. It, it was what yeah. you wanted out of this fight, which we had been building up for the past, you know, five parts. And then the last at the same time, at the same time though, it was. Uh... It was descript- it was descriptive, but it was a little underwhelming. But at the s- it wasn't because I think going into this, I didn't know how he was gonna handle it. So like like talking about it the second time is definitely not as interesting as the first time reading through it because you're you you're clueless. You don't know how it's gonna end. You you have no idea what he's planning. You don't know even know if the curse is liftable. You don't know if he's lying to people or telling the truth to people. And then we get to this point. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And then once the chapter ends, you kind of have an idea. Like that's that's when it clicked, and you're like, well, let's see if it works now. Yeah. That's that's the next step. So, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's I liked it. I liked the fight. That's not the problem. It was just that. It's like a thriller. Being, it was more of a thriller story. Well, I just knowing what comes up after all these chapters. It's just I know that it gets better. The the fights get more detailed, and I like that. It, it, it this one was almost this was the throwaway of the book. This fight oh, really? was, and I, yeah, I liked yeah. it. So that, that I know, well I know, and, that, and I did too. But every single time, every chapter gets better. So it's just yeah, cool. So um, last uh, thing of discussion that I wanted to bring up before we go on to objects of note. Geralt's third potion. Before closing himself in the sarcophagus of the Striga uh, and her mother, Ada, G-Man drinks this and feels its effects while he waits until morning. Is this like a cooldown potion? So he had two enhancement potions and one cooldown? Oh, we kind of discussed that. Yeah. If you're if you're still in Witcher mode after six hours, please see a doctor. Or drink this, uh, this potion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Objects of note. Geralt's gauntlets. Studded with silver, these gloves aid the Witcher in his defense against the Striga, scoring several painful hits against the monster during their fight. Geralt's chain whip, 
A long, strong silver chain waited at the end, effective in ensnaring monsters weak to silver, subduing them in a very painful manner. And Geralt's tiny hourglass. Filled with phosphorescent mm. sand, he sets it next to himself as he waits for the daylight in the coffin. I'm assuming that's sand that can glow in the dark. Yeah, phosphorescent just means um, glows in the dark, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, cool. He gets glow in the dark sand. Yep, and glow I in the dark hourglass, bro. Got it for I Christmas. Hate, I hate this fantasy land. Yeah. All right, I get it. Yeah, I have to hold mine up to a light bulb, but his just works, but in his pocket the whole time. But all right, okay. All right, flora and fauna. We got two more flowers. I don't have pictures of them this time, but true love and caladine, the ingredients of Geralt's third elixir that he drinks as he calms down from the battle with the Striga. Moving on to magic and spells. We've got the sign of Ard. A-A-R-D. Ard. This yeah, sign, or A-A-R-D. Or, this, or Ard. Oh, he's a pirate that. witcher. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So sign of Ard. This sign hits the Striga as if by a mallet. So is it like a force push? Uh, yeah, Basically, yeah. Okay. Yep. That's what it said in the book. It hits it as if by a mallet. Like a wall. Like a wall. Okay. And then we have um, Geralt's Fury. So this was something I wanted to discuss with you because you could probably lend some or shed some more light on this. So Geralt's Fury. Mid-fight, the Witcher internally recognizes his Fury building. And then he lands a massive kick to the Striga, sending her off her feet. I thought that that was just it. But then later, he allows himself to get furious as he gets close to the Striga. His blade starts to shimmer in his hand, and his eyes light up with an ominous glow. So this time, I'm like, his blade's actually glowing. And his sore is out. <laughs> I mean, I didn't screw this one up. I reread that like three times. It's blade's glowing, okay? Somebody in the comments will be like, actually, it was off the torchlight. Yep. It says it a sentence later if you just keep reading a little and, bit more. And a hoarse roar tore from his tore through his clenched teeth and the Striga basks or uh, backs away feeling the intense hatred, the waves of anger and violence. So here's what it says from the, from the book. Geralt stood quivering in the middle of the hall alone. It had taken a long time he thought before this dance of the edge of an abyss. This mad macabre ballet of a fight had achieved the desired effect. Allowed, allowed him to uh, physically become one with his opponent to reach the under layers of concentrated will which permeated the Striga, the evil, twisted will from which the Striga was born. The Witcher shivered at a memory of taking on that evil to redirect it, redirect it as if in a mirror against the monster. Never before had he come across such a concentrated, or concentration of hatred and murderous frenzy, frenzy, not even from basilisks who enjoy a ferocious reputation for it. So we get a monster there, but we already had the basilisk. But this is describing what this fury is. So this is almost like some sort of a spell. What is fury? Is fury okay, a thing? So, yeah. So well, it is, and it, like so in Star Wars, they always did the. I hate that. God, everything's always Star Wars, isn't it? And it's a Star Wars did it. Um. So basically, fury would be like dark side has fury. The more fury they have, the more angry they are, the more powerful they are with the force, okay? Basically, like, what you try to do as a kid when you try to grow a mustache or try to move something with your mind, you're just like, eh. Okay, that's supposed to be fury. Yep. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Okay. You hurt your brain. sets all the blood to your brain real fast. So 
Um, with this though, it's more like, have you ever seen Constantine? Yes. With Keanu, when he holds the mirror. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, that's kind of what and the, the demon idea comes out? is that, yeah, is that Geralt's like basically fighting it, using its own hateful energy against it, building it within himself to make himself stronger. You know, dark magic. Apparently he uses dark magic, so it only makes sense that he can give it back. So I, I don't know. In the game, they never really did any of that. They never did any Fury. This is the first time I was introduced to it. So now that you read the rest of that, I do remember that part. When you said it the first time, and it was just like, oh, yeah, I already got really pissed off. And I was yep. like, whoa, I don't remember that at all. Now it's, it, yeah, that whole, it's coming back. But it's. So that's something that he has at his so. disposal. Basically, he can allow himself to get, like, they call it Fury in the book, but it's it's like allowing you to take on the hatred of the beast itself and then basically shining it back at that beast to see how it reacts. Yeah, yep, yep. That's the best way to explain it. That's the way I take it at yeah. least. So, yeah, I agree with you on so that. So that was cool. It's not like a sign or anything, but it's freaking badass. And then the last uh, magic thing we got was Sign of Yurden. Uh, Geralt, sure. draws, Geralt draws this sign on the inside of the coffin as he enclosed himself in it. It, repel, it repels the Striga as he waits patiently for daybreak. So they didn't really say what Yurden does. He just says he draws shield. a side of Yurden. It was always a bubble, like a shield. Okay, so it just so like if the Striga is going to come and try to attack and get Geralt out of the sarcophagus, it's just going to bounce off of it. Essentially, and that's okay. That would make more sense that if like he could encompass the entire sar- sarcophagus. Like the- yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the whole thing though, because I'm I'm trying to think like he drew it on the he drew it on the inside of the I coffin. I know, and that's yeah. So basically, when you play the video, obviously, and I hate to say this, but the video game, it's just a, let's just say it's a bubble around him. Yeah. Okay, that that basically you take so much damage, and then it it doesn't you doesn't hit your health. Okay, so for this in the book, if it, I would again, this is comes back to did the author mean it this way, or is it just a a, a shield, a protective shield. And I think it would be a protective blessing or a protective shield would be the best way to explain it. Yeah, I feel like but, he, when he's writing it on the on the lid, it's almost as if, if the if the Striga were to come close to the lid or touch the lid, it would repel. Yeah, and to me, that's cooler than just a bubble he places around himself. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Like, if he's like, you know, we got to get into this house, shuts the door, writes the symbol on the door, and then the house is protected, way f- cooler than just being able to pop a bubble around yourself and be like, I guess you guys are all going to die in this fire, but I can do a bubble. All right. That was part six, man. So we got the fight. We got the fight we wanted. And now we're just waiting for daybreak. Part seven. Summary. When Geralt opened his eyes, the sand had passed through the hourglass, which meant his sleep had been even longer than he had intended. He pricked up his ears and heard nothing. His senses were now functionally functioning normally. After taking hold of his sword and whispering an incantation across the lid of the sarcophagus, Geralt moved the lid slightly and listened. Silence greeted him. He pushed away the lid further so he could sit up. Lighting a small lamp, he lifted it so he could scan the crypt. It was empty. He scrambled out of the sarcophagus and was made aware of his condition. His body ached, limbs numb and cold. It was then that he saw her. According to the narrator, she was rather ugly, small, and dirty. Her hair was flaxen red, and flaxen is, is pale yellow, so it was like a strawberry blonde. 
and it ran nearly to her waist. Geralt set the lamp down and kneels beside the unconscious girl. He leaned over her to inspect. She was pale and had blood on her face from where he had hit her in the cheekbone. Feeling safe, Geralt takes off his glove and puts the sword aside so he can lift her top lip. She had normal looking teeth. So you get the feeling when, when he's writing this, it's like he's getting relieved. He's like, okay, is she okay? She's got, she kind of looks like a normal ugly girl. <laughs> What's her teeth look like? Okay, they're not freaking fangs. All right, so we're getting somewhere. He then reached over for her hand, which was tangled in her mop of hair. But before he took it, he saw her open her eyes wide. His reaction was too slow, and she swiped her talons across his neck, cutting him deeply, splashing blood across her face. She attacked his eyes, and, pinned, and he pinned her down. She had lost all her mighty, her mighty strength now, being in this new form. All she could do was thrash about and spit blood at Geralt, his blood, which was pouring out from his neck wound, into her mouth. She was still fighting his whole... She was still fighting his hold, so he bit her on the neck behind the ear, and she howled, then stopped moving as her screams became a choking sob, then a cry of a 14-year-old girl. Geralt got off her, and he tore a piece of, his canvas, uh, piece of canvas from his sleeve to dress his neck, his neck wound. Then he took up his sword and held it over her neck, over the neck of the now unconscious girl. He looked at her nails. They were dirty, broken and bloodied, but normal not claws at all then the chapter ends like this or the part ends like this the witcher got up with difficulty the sticky wet grayness of early morning was flooding in through the crypt's entrance he made a move toward the stairs but staggered and sat down heavily on the floor blood was pouring through the drenched canvas onto his hands running down his sleeve he unfastened his tunic slit his shirt tore and ripped rags from it and tied them around his neck knowing that he didn't have much time, that he would soon faint. He succeeded and fainted. In Vajima, beyond the lake, a cock ruffling his feathers in the cold damp crowed hoarsely for the third time. <laughs> he did it! He did it! <laughs> but he's dead now. Sorry, guys. The book is not over because the next whole, like, a hundred pages is his funeral. Spoiler yeah. alert. Sorry, guys. It was a good one. Sorry, guys. It was a good book. There's but... some really good fights in the funeral. So we heard. So Yeah. Yeah. So points of discussion. Uh, there's not a ton to say about this short part. I liked how um, throughout the, fr the first moments of his encounter with the girl, the descriptions of her attacking was still part monster. For example, when she slashes at his throat, in the book, Andre writes, she swiped him across the neck with her talons cutting him deeply. And later, upon closer inspection, she had normal nails. So the way it's written, we are still trying to figure out if her transformation back into a human was, a com was complete or if it was partial. So I, I kind of like that little touch. But saying that she had one hand that still had talons. Well, she did. The way she, the way he wrote it is from like Geralt's perspective and saying that she swiped him with her talons. But then he, after he subdued her, he looked at her nails to see the talons, but they weren't talons. They were just nails, you know, cracked mm. and bloody. So like the way he wrote it was as if we're in Geralt's perspective of like, oh shit, she still got talons. She just attacked me. You I know? think she actually did. I think she legit still had talons and it wasn't until he oh, bit her. And, and I, then she 
finally went back to being okay. So that's because okay, otherwise her nails couldn't cut that deep to make him bleed. He's got Witcher skin. Bro. True. It's like lava plus five or whatever. I actually totally agree with you because then at the very end, the cock crows mm-hmm. for the third time, and you have to wait mm-hmm. for the third crowing. So and then she was completely back. Yeah. Gotcha, bro. Yep. Gotcha. That's much better. That's cool. Objects yep. of note. When Geralt pushes the lid off the sarcophagus, uh, he lights up a miniature lamp to help him see in the dark crypt. So he's got a mini lamp. He also does another incantation to take out his sign. Yeah, so he says they, they... He has to hold a sign for. This one, he just did an incantation again to get rid of his sign. Magic and spells. So, Upon waking up, Geralt met mutter, or murmurs an incantation on the lid of the sarcophagus. Or, he sealed himself in before pushing the lid aside. Was the spell one that ate... Uh, was the spell one that aided him in moving the heavy lid, or was it right. to, or was it to dispel the sign of Yurdin that he that repelled the striga during the night? Do signs mm. wear off, or are they able to be turned off? Right, and I would guess turned off would yeah. be my guess. So I didn't know if it was like an incantation of like okay strength, or if it was like okay turn off Yurdin, you know? Because like if you draw some. <laughs> yeah, so like I guess we haven't gotten into exactly how the magic is done in the world, but I imagine if you're doing a sign in the air that's just like coming off of like your essence and it just wears off based on when you turn it off, kind of like when he was fighting. But if you draw the sign on an object, it might have enough stored energy just to last on there for a longer time because it's not an animate object, and so it might have to be shut off, you know? Again, this is the loophole filling that we're doing right Love now. Love it. That's what this podcast is about, bro. It's just going Loophole's deep, filling. going deep into these chapters because no one else does. You know what I'm saying? Because no one else does. Because no one else wants to. No, nope. nobody else cares enough to. That's what it comes down to. All right, all right. Not moving on nerd. to chapter one, part eight, the last part of chapter one. This is the closer summary. He saw the whitened walls and beamed ceiling of the small chamber above the guardroom. He moved his head, grimacing with pain, and moaned. His neck was banged or bandaged thickly, thoroughly, professionally. Geralt is greeted bedside by the castellan of Vajima, Velorad, who tells the Witcher to lie still as he finally is waking up. Geralt's words are lethargic and stiff, but he manages to ask for his sword. Velorad says not to worry. That his precious silver sword, the little trunk, and the 3,000 orins are all here. He did it. He got it. Comically, Velorad continues by calling himself the fool and the witcher the wise. At least that's what King Foltes has constantly been telling him over the past two days. Geralt chokes out a statement and, and Vel- Velorad compassionately finishes his thoughts for him, confirming that yes, it has been two days, that his neck wound was so severe that... You could see everything you had inside there. He had lost a lot of blood. Velorad tells the Witcher that nobody could sleep that night with all the terrible noises he made. And after the third crowing of the cock, they retrieved him and the princess immediately, bringing them both back to the castle, safe and sound. Geralt then struggles to ask about the princess, but Velorad gets his meaning and cuts him off, giving him the information he wants to know. The castellan explains that the princess is like a princess, thin, dull-witted, weeps incessantly, and wets the bed. But King Foltest believes her behavior will change as she becomes accustomed to normal human life. Then the chapter ends with this wonderful little quip from Velorad. 
The Witcher closed his eyes. Good. I can take my leave now. Rest. Velred got up. Geralt, before I go, tell me. Why did you try to bite her to death? Eh? <laughs> Geralt? The Witcher was asleep. I love that ending. Hey, <laughs> tell me, bro. Why'd you try to bite her to death, dude? That's, that's the only thing they get out of it. They don't understand anything that happened. Like, oh, you tried to kill her with a bite behind the ear. It's like, just kind no. of a funny little, like... It, yeah, it was good. I like this. This is a nice little wrap-up ending. It was, like, three pages long. We get we get good guy Castellan Velarad, you know? Like, he's being nice enough to, like... He can tell the Witcher's in a lot of pain, so he's just finishing his thoughts for him being like yep 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 here's what you got and he's like by the way you got the 3000 you did it though okay you got the 3000 so rest easy (laughs) and then he and then he's just kind of like being lighthearted about it like he's relieved that this actually happened but he's like yeah the king keeps on letting me know that i'm the fool they live there they live there there where they have this like seven foot tall claws to the floor so basically like claws to the walls swords swords in your hands like wolverine times five running around this old dude it's so bad they built a new castle it just said fuck the old castle but like the, that's the new castle is good though dude it's nice it's yeah good. right it's got straw on the floor right. dog it's good it's good it's it's better a lot of people say it might be better pretty good castle yeah. uh, <laughs> so now we get the old castle which is cool yeah they get both castles so that dude, that's chapter one. We did it. We got through the first chapter. Oh my god, there's so much more of this book, and it's amazing. And I can't. I actually am excited to talk about all the other stuff coming. I'm excited to get to the next book. What? Oh, the next book, like actual. Book. Yeah, the actual. Is it, the isn't next that one called book. like Blood and Elves or something like that? Or I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear. I heard that. Um, eventually the 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 books like take on a different kind of narration style where it's no longer like it's no longer like narrator but like first person or something i don't know they change it up and some people don't like it but it must be it must be good i don't know either way it was good but i like this i like the uh, again i did the the readout or whatever the audio for this one and i actually really liked it at first, I was a little annoyed he was doing voices, but it got it got on me, and I was like, "Oh, this is good." Yeah, Peter Kenny did a great job. I stopped the second book, though. I'm probably like five minutes into the second book, and I stopped it because I'm like, if I start doing this, I'm gonna forget what happened in the first book. Yeah. So I can't, I can't, because then I'll be like, "Was that first or second book?" No, I thought he did that flamethrower move, and you're like, "Wait, what? He can shoot water out of his fingertips?" Wow. Sure can. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the next part, um, the next uh, chapter, which is a new story uh, we'll be going into. But overall, I really like this first look at The Witcher. This is my first experience with The Witcher, and I really enjoyed it. I think Geralt's an awesome character. It seems like the writing is well thought out. Even if it is only a 30-page freaking thing for a magazine contest, I still enjoyed it thoroughly. Awesome. It's, it's really good, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll start the next one up with, um, I think it's the... How far are you in the actual book? Uh, I am not as far as probably you. It's done. I already finished it. I finished okay, it like... no, I, I didn't finish it. I got past the, the story. We'll talk about it later. What? What? We'll you gonna end your what? what do you mean? Well, we can't spoil it. I mean, if people are reading along. 
You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Good point. Good point. The, vo- point, the next okay. part, chapter two, will start with the voice of reason, which is that um, that yep. uh, anchoring story or whatever. And then it goes into something called a grain of truth. That is the yep. name of the story that we're going to be covering. So overall, I liked it. I'm looking forward to the next part. And so next week, read up. Read the voice of truth. The voice of truth on this next one has two parts. So we'll cover both parts of the voice of truth. Then we'll go into the first part of a grain of truth or whatever so that we can get into the story a little bit so yeah read up on that and then we'll catch you on the next one um don thanks for joining me i really appreciate that you came out for this anytime cool and uh like always guys check the description for links to help out don's brother who ben who's got an awesome music uh selection for you and uh he was gracious enough to let us use his links and stuff and they're pretty good. So check it out. And until next time, guys, thank you for listening to random book club podcast.